0: This is the epic new podcast, Two Idiots and a List, where you're going to get Two Idiots and a List. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios,
1: your hosts, Nick Fasolo and Keurig McMillan. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Two Idiots and a List. That's right, this is our very first episode. We did it in a single take with no rehearsal. But since it's Nick's favorite band, we thought you ought to hear it. You can say a lot of things, but you can't say Nick's not passionate about Def Leppard. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
0: Run right on one more time! Some of us are going to be a little bit more deep divey. I see Keurig's, he's got five fucking pages of notes over there. And this is a band that I'm going to contest with him that he never really liked anyhow. <laughs> so the band that we picked this week is, was My Call um Def Leppard is inarguably my most favorite band of all time um and I'll get into the reasons why a little later it's a band that has you know spanned since 1977 they've been around for a long time they still actively tour on you know mega stages like Wrigley Field last time I saw them I think it was 2018 they blew Journey off the stage when was their debut album their debut album, well, if you're talking about EP, uh, their debut EP was like 70, 78, I'm going to say, but they're, they're on through the night, which is is the one album that I don't really I don't fuck with that album. Um, I think that was, well if, if High and dry was
1: 81. On Through the Night was earlier than that. So, have, how much do you know about On Through the Night? Like, how much have you actually listened to On Through the Night?
0: I know. Well, what I know about On Through the Night, I, I, I've known. Like, you know, I listened to Rock Brigade and Hello America, but what I know about rock, uh, On Through the Night is that the when the the album came out, the Brits, because they're they're from Sheffield, England, the Brits, their audience was already pissed with them because. They're like, you know, what's this song, Hello America? What the fuck is that? Like, what, we're the ones that supported you. So, like, they already got shit from their fans, which is probably the reason why they're really, they're, their albums, even their bigger albums, never really charted very well until much later in their career when they're finally like, oh, all right, you know, you've got something going on there. Uh, but I think that, you know, but it, to be fair, the album wasn't that great.
1: So I, I'll, I'll, my disclosure here is I really don't know this band well at all outside of two albums and a little bit of of a third one. And so while we talked about doing this podcast, I took a look at On Through the Night. I started with that, and I just did kind of a cursory cruise through it. Um, my takeaways were I heard a lot of Black Sabbath, a lot of early Black Sabbath in terms of the style, in terms of the guitar, in terms of... Um, of uh, the vocals, I also heard a lot of Queen uh, sure. in terms of of that vocal style. I thought, as I as I compared that album to what I heard from later albums, I thought the musicianship was actually better. It was a little more. And and full disclosure, I've played bass in a few bands, so I tend to be rhythm section critical. But the. The bass lines were more intricate. The drum lines were more involved. Um, I thought it was edgier. I th- you could even argue there was some Dio in the uh, in Joe Elliott's vocals that I don't know that I heard that same aspect of in later albums.
0: Yeah, I think that you can probably attest that to the introduction of their what they call the six leopard mutt um in High and Dry. He produced High and Dry for them. Um, and then, of course, he did Pyromania and then Hysteria. And then he came back and produced um, Euphoria, or some tracks off of Euphoria for them. And I think that, well, you interesting you said the word, you know, said, said the band Queen. That is their, you know, they would say Queen, Matiupo, and T-Rex is like their biggest um, influences. As a matter of fact, Brian May inducted them into the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah. He was he was their inductee. And he said, he's like, I would let nobody else induct these these guys into the hall of fame, but me. So yeah, the tremendous amount of influence. There. I ag-
1: I agree. Uh, I think that was, uh, if I if my research is accurate, uh, the producer for that first album was Colonel Tom Allum, who also produced Priest, Crocus, and Loverboy.
0: Well, you can not hardly go wrong with any of those <laughs> <I know>. Priest. <laughs> no, those
1: are those Crocus. are those are three three winning bands. I, so. I, I, I lost my crocus vinyl years ago, and possibly because I never had it, but that's all right. But I,
0: I think that most most people who know the band, obviously, it's, it's like hard to listen to music in popular music for the last 30 years and not know who this band is. And I think most people are like you. They were introduced to it through you know their really heavy duty hits, um, which were you know off of the Pyromania and Hysteria album. And I think that's where a lot of, you know, pour some sugar on me is obviously, you know, they're like anthemic, you know, showstopper. That's every time they, they play it, everybody is, you know, it's a crazy uh, scene for them. But, you know, if you uh, do a deeper dive, I, I wouldn't suggest you going in through On Through the Night. Like that, that's not how I was introduced to this band. I was introduced to this band um, through, you know, through the earlier albums, of uh, Pyromania, actually, the third studio album so let's uh let's let's hit this this list thing
1: sure uh you know it's you talked a little bit about high and dry um i'll tell you what i'll start it off with with my first uh it's not even a number five you have honorable mentions i have one honorable mention this is supposed i have one honorable mention so i have already deviated from the the format um I'm going to throw my honorable mention towards another Kickstarter. Leopard sound, right? They, What I heard from On Through the Night was a, a, like a freshman album of guys that had modeled their, their sound after other people that came before them. And they, they created what they did uh, based on the influences of those guys and and weren't so much their own people. Uh, you did mention about Mutt Lang you know, being the producer on this, on that High and Dry album, whereas the On Through the Night was somebody else. Um, Colonel Tom Allen. Colonel Tom Allen.
0: Crocus. Crocus and Loverboy fame. And Priest. You know, the the first song, when I got my license, so when I... My parents were so terrified of me having my license I, that they, they, they had already set me up with this from when I was 14 years old. They said, "You listen, you're not getting your license until you're 18 fucking years old, right? And my older brother had proven them correctly because he was an awful driver. He still is to this day. Um... So, uh, you know, in my senior year, my parents moved me away from all my my mates, including Keurig here, um, and they moved me a couple of towns over, so I had to start my senior year all over, you know, in a town by myself, and I had no license. So I think my mom took a little pity on me, and, you know, when I turned 17, she made me wait about three or four months, and I got my first, uh, I got my license, you know, about midway through my senior year. The very, very first song that I turned on... On purpose. It wasn't like I flipped on the radio and it was just happened to be playing. The first song that I put on uh, on the radio while I was driving over to your house actually to pick you up because
1: um, <laughs> I was grounded.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I might not have been picking you up. Um, was uh, was a Lover Boy song,
1: and it just escaped me. What the hell is it? It'll come to me. Well, let's. Uh, so, getting back to my yeah. honorable mention of, of another hit and run. Um, if you look at and and. You may find a recurring theme through my version of this podcast, which is I may take a few shots at, at Def Leopard. Oh, I um, expect it. Which <laughs> I expect it. Which Nick well, has I already that. you've already predicted that, that they may not be my favorite band. If you look at, at, at Def Leopard lyrics, <laughs> you know, the, these guys they I weren't mean, they weren't writing Bridge Under Trouble over Troubled Water. You uh, yeah,
0: know. but if okay, go ahead.
1: They weren't writing, you know, path, path Through Shallow Creek even. I mean, this was, this was <laughs> about as... It was, a, it was pretty vapid, right? And, and I think this almost cusps on a discussion of were these guys the, the tip of the spear for the hair metal era? Which leads to another question. Are they a hair metal band? Definitively not,
0: no. They are, they are a hard rock band. They are not Crocus and they are not Metallica. Uh they're not metal,
1: but they're hard rock and they have the chops to prove it. Are they though? Oh, yes. I they mean are. if if we really t- if we really, you know, tuck into the uh to the catalogue of, of Leopard, there's you know <laughs> I would argue that these guys and Warrant were on the All same right. page right. oh, come on. and you more can. than on more than one occasion. I think that you're just doing this to provoke me. I wouldn't do that. Although um
0: so <laughs> Def Leppard did a cruise, a rock cruise, <laughs> uh, not too long ago. <laughs> it's really got it's really got a very a sad ending, but uh,
1: they did a rock cruise. This wasn't the Italian ship where the guy was trying to impress his girlfriend <laughs> and he cruised it into a reef. No, no,
0: no, 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 It no. was it was a, a full on cruise. I mean, it wasn't like a celebrity cruise, but it was like it was full on cruise for Def Leppard. And the the show night, their their big night show was it a roll uh, mode? No, listen. <laughs> like, sorry you can sorry, take shots but um <laughs> joe elliott was stricken with laryngitis and he couldn't perform i think i've got the story right he couldn't perform and so um phil and uh viv did the did the, the vocals because by the way they're one of the best vocal band out there you can't deny that Oof. you can't okay all right all of them can fucking sing and they're all good, and I've heard them all. Okay, um, so Viv and Phil filled in for the um, for the vocals for that, that evening's show, except for, I want to say, Pour Some Sugar On Me, where guess who stood in for Joe?
1: One of the ladies from the audience? Okay. Uh, Kip Winger. Wow. Yeah. Kip right? Winger himself. <laughs> Kip Winger himself. Uh, 17, right? That was his song? Oh, uh, that was the only song, yeah. Only song of note,
0: but anyhow, yeah, so I, I'll take your shot. That That's a cheap shot, it is. Um, anyhow, um, so yeah, no, they have nothing in common with Kip Winger, the <laughs> fact that he stood in <laughs> form and played their most you know, uh, recognizable song in their celebrity cruise. Um, all right, all right, so, so it's, back- like, the honorable mention is well taken, it's well placed. On through uh, the uh, um, another kid and run is a fantastic, uh, again, hard rocking song.
1: Uh, Hard yardage. charging. I had to write this lyric down because it was probably the deepest lyric I could find from them. Union Jack is back with a hole in his head. He's laughing at me and dancing on my sneakers and his 60s songs are blowing up my speakers. Okay, so me, that let me, is fucking gold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a little story. All right. So when I was in sixth grade, um, I was in sixth grade, I got really heavily into Def Leppard um and so i was introduced to Death through pyromania and i went backwards and i found um high and dry and i was absolutely enthralled with this band so here's what i did okay so this is 1983 I was in sixth grade the very first thing i like i have an apple II computer the one with the green screen monitor yep like and you couldn't do shit on that thing okay you can program like, you know, it just, you know, say fuck you and then repeat itself and then just leave it, leave it on the monitor so, you, you know, your mom would come in and you could blame it on your brother or whatever. Um, but like, the, there was only a word processing program on the computer. And so what I did, what I did, this was my first business, I think. I wrote out the lyrics to songs that people wanted lyrics written out to. Okay?
1: All right. So, at you, you were providing a service. I
0: was providing a service, and so somebody said, so, you know, they they wanted to know what, who who uh, like uh, break my stride, the the lyrics of that. So
1: nobody gonna slow me down. I'm, oh no. Yeah. And now I'm cursed because I know
0: the fucking, every fucking word of that song. And whenever it comes on, she rarely did that. But so I, was, I, I would type them out. And then I would print them off on a dot matrix printer and like hand them to the people. It's like, here's the song that you were talking
1: about. Did you rip the, the perforated holes off the no. sides of the paper before no, you gave it to them? You made, you, you made them do that. I'm not a details <laughs>
0: guy. Um, but, but then I said, instead of waiting for people to come to me, and I, there wasn't a lot. It wasn't like a line around the door. Uh, around the block but there were you know initially some people were like hey this and that and so I would do it and then I'm like you know what I'll just be proactive here and I'll just write out all the lyrics to High and Dry and then I did Pyromania and I have that I don't have them anymore but I, I remember like going back and forth with my Walkman I'm like what, the, what was that Union Jack what I was always I astonished that's...
1: with your knowledge of lyrics to those songs. And, and you know, well, that my I was singing something completely out of left field when we were together and I'd be singing a lyric and you'd give me the what? What? What was that? What was that? Huh? Sacramarine? What was that? No, that's not the lyric. Out of the car. Uh, and, yeah. then he, and then I got out of the car.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dejected.
0: Uh, Union Jack... Gets back with a hole in his head. Now, listen, if you're going to heart, if this is going to be a, uh, you're just going to take pock shots at the lyrics, um, let's not forget like where we are. We're in the 80s.
1: I agree. Well, like, I agree. The,
0: it's just hard rock music. Basically, the, you're just taking the the, the, the the muscle and bones and connective tissue of the songs and you got to do something with it and put Joe Elliott's face to work. Right. Because that's what he was there for. He right. was a God, right? He was. And I, after, like I would say, after DLR, I'm not sure if there is a better frontman for a for a, for a band in the '80s. I'd have to think about that. But he's in the he's in the team picture.
1: Elliot. Well, you know, he had the best pants um my mom's still mad that i did that to my jeans trying to follow his lead
0: and what's old is new again because that shit's coming back it is
1: but not quite in the same way i mean it was a perfect row of lines all the way down the thigh and then the knee was somewhat solid and then down the the shin i mean that was that was a pretty slick look i gotta give him that along with the great frosted hair Mm. Um, Mm. all right so that's my honorable mention this band was your pick. You <laughs> okay. and I'm, I'm sitting there.
0: I'm trying to call <laughs> down
1: five fucking songs. And I'm like, God damn, I can't do this because this is
0: like my fa- this is the whole thing. It's like my music universe. Well, and I'm just trying to. And I'm like, well, should I do an honorable mention? I'm like, no, he would never do that. And first, first Fuck thing, yeah, I right did. I right the fucking bed. And and if you well, re- if,
1: if you recall, <laughs> I also told you you had to pick your most hated one. Okay. All right. So. Your number five. Let's hear it.
0: Um, so my number five comes off of um, the album Slang in 1996. It was released. Um, showing that, you know, Def Leppard still could, get, you know, still pumping life during the whole grunge 90s. They put out three albums. Three albums. And they all charted. They all, and So, so uh, the Slang album, I could even, like, there's a lot of Def Leppard fans out there, like, and I would say that probably slang might not even hit their radar because...
1: I'd never heard of it.
0: Right? Never heard of it. i
1: right? never heard of
0: it. Well, yeah. you're not a real fan, but even still, like, slang is is at 96, so that was um, right after I got out of college. We, I, at 96 was about the year that everybody started to really tire of the whole grunge thing,
1: right? Remember in like 91 right. is when... You know, it like, burned hot and bright. Yes. Then guys started dropping like flies.
0: Well, that yeah, that that happened. So, but like from October of '91, uh, you know, it burnt hot and bright, and we just got fantastic music out of that. And then all of a sudden, you got you know the the A and R guys just like, all right, well, we just need somebody that sounds like Eddie. We're gonna
1: bring you the meat helmets. Yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. (laughs) Yeah, in the puddle of mud. (laughs) All right, get the fuck out of here with that. um, but, you know, Leopard is still there, always consistent and re- never really changing. But Slang was an album that was completely different from anything they've ever done before, right? So you had High and Dry and and you can see that the, the production value changed a great deal. You kind of touched on it earlier with uh, Mutt Lang's influence, you know, obvious, you know, the, where he came in at High and Dry and, and changed their sound. Well, they learned how to produce their own music. And in Slang, it's completely different. And it's a four. Um, I don't know, it's more mechanical, kind of mm, not as like based in like, what they've done in the past. Um, but I like that. It was, it was a different kind of departure from what Def Leppard normally had. Because Adrenalize was the, the album before this and that was very much a, an extension of Hysteria where slang was complete departure. And the track uh, that I picked off of that one was uh, Work It Out. And as you can see, like here, you know, it's definitely a departure from like your, you know, your, your photographs or or pour some sugar on me or something like that. It's a completely different sound, out of a band that you know um, still can perform. You know, it, it was nice to see that still in 1996 that they could put an album together. That you know, and that's not the only
1: good song in the album. It's a it's, it's pretty damn good album. All right, I I would I have to divulge that um, I don't know anything after Hysteria. For the most part, so. Um, so, I, are you
0: saying that you are going into this, you didn't know anything after Hysteria, and you just said "fuck it," I'm not going to do anything, or did you listen to things after? Be
1: honest. I didn't really want to listen to anything after Hysteria, his, or not Hysteria. Um, when Animalize hit, and, and we'll dig into that later. Uh, that was, that was the swan song for me with Def Leppard. I, I was, Adrenalize. I couldn't engage them any further. I don't know. Whatever was after Hysteria. Adrenalize. Adrenalize.
0: That's okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, I will, uh, you know, now having heard right. the song, I have a new appreciation for it. All right. Uh, that said, my, let's go on to my number five. Mm. Um, mm. not to diminish yours, um, my, my number five. Number five so is this
0: going to be the whole goddamn podcast? You're just going to just, just going to condescend? Oh, uh, possibly. <laughs> You're just going to condescend because like that's. My, go ahead.
1: I want my, my top five are all going to be the same song, and I'll just I'll just argue over and over again why it's so good. All right. Uh, all right. My number five. I picked Die Hard the Hunter. Yeah, great tune. Pick Die Hard the Hunter. You uh, want to talk about great lyrics, right? Yes. A song about PTSD, yes. right? Uh, far away, fire away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. it's heady. It's heady. Very it's got good. a, it's got a really good groove in both the 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 rhythm and the guitars. There's... <laughs> you
0: can almost dance to it. <laughs> almost.
1: It's a little difficult.
0: Right? It's a little heavy song about
1: PTSD, right? right. <laughs> And and I'm going to have to throw... I'm going to have to drop another complaint on you for Def Leppard. Oh. <laughs> They've got two lead guitarists, and both of them suck. Oh, They're that's... They're both fucking terrible. You're out
0: of your They're mind. They're both
1: fucking terrible. Go
0: ahead. Go ahead. Let me know.
1: They're both terrible. Okay. So it, I can't... I can't think of out of the three or four albums that I know, yeah. uh, like a really good guitar solo from one of those songs. I mean, I can probably sing along to a Richie Sambora guitar solo, and I fucking hate Bon Jovi. I, I would rather. Stick I wonder pencils. if you like Bon Jovi more than you like Def Leppard, though. I would stick pencils in my urethra before before listening to Bon Jovi. I'll let you figure out the uh, the result there. But if you listen to the guitar solo on die hard the hunter it's actually pretty slick right they it's a it's a basic scale down solo And then they fade it into the background a little bit. Right. And you've got this sort of soaring, almost, it reminded me a little of like a Queensryche sound. Kind of a soaring whole note wow, solo with true. the rhythm rolling in the background and i thought i thought that was a pretty good solo for for this band yeah it also wasn't the bubblegum that you saw from the rest of their lyrics in in the majority of music that they did around it right if you think about the albums before the albums after Again, this wasn't Simon and Garfunkel. This wasn't. This wasn't the Beatles. This was something that wasn't about about sex or drugs or, or sex and drugs. Which, granted, there's a, a obvious place and time for that. If it comprises ninety eight percent of your catalog, See,
0: that's what. But that's what made Leopards so different from the others because. You know, all Bon Jovi ever did was talk about, um, you know, she's a little one way. Like that's all their songs are about. Like Motley Crue only talked about, you, know, <laughs> you know, their shit going on. But Leopard always had like the you, another hit and run. Um, not another hit and run. Um, What's the one you just named? What what's the fucking song run. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah another, another another, yeah, another hit and run. Uh Billy's Got a Gun. Um Gods of War. Right. White Lightning. I mean they're all talk like they, at least it's a different variety of like theme to the music. Yeah, it's
1: not like they named a song woman. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyhow, that's my number five.
0: Uh, let me, uh, going back to your point, like your, 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 your assertion that, that the guitarist work in Def Leppard is awful. Not just mediocre. It's, 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 it's remedial level guitar work. <laughs> <laughs> that's just... You're just going over the top to insult me. Um, what well, you, did, you is, didn't listen. play guitar on the album. No, you're right. Um, listen, they're, they're coming out of an age of hard rock music in the 1970s where there are two guitars, okay? Maiden, right? Priest. And all those two guitars ever did was play the exact same thing you just had two of them on stage, and they got to bob their heads over the, you know, and, and do their, you know, drum, you know, with the drums, and they're playing the same shit. Even the Eagles did this. Yeah, they, they all did it. The Eagles are a little bit different, but uh, but but those hard rock bands, that's all they ever did was they had two guitars, and they didn't know what the fuck to do with them, and they, they said, we'll just play the same thing, and we'll just put more speakers on stage, and then that'll be great, and everybody will love it. But what Leopard Leopard was the first band to come in and say, you know what, Clark is such a different guitarist than Willis was. Um, and, and then when Willis got kicked out of the band and Colin came in and he is just this masterful technician with the guitar. With the instrument, there is no greater technician with the guitar. You just watch him play, watch him play live. He is, every fucking note is pitch perfect and he nails it every single time whereas Clark was a little bit more of a soulful guy he could play his guitar with its really slung low and he just had that like earthy kind of gritty kind of almost sloppy but you know you knew that you knew his
1: shit. Clark what Clark was, was Clark wasn't like, the guy with his shirt off right no that's Phil that's, that's Phil Cone. Cone. Yeah. Clark's the dude that gacked because he drank too much yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. we'll get to that <laughs> yeah um you know a lot of heartbreak in that band um there was he uh on the no yeah the pyromania tour no that was pete willis was pete, fired during the recording of pyromania he recorded
0: most of the guitars on pyromania
1: and then they fired him because he couldn't stop drinking that's not the guy that died though. the I guy that died was yeah, Steve pete Clark. steve
0: clark so imagine that conversation and imagine how fucked up pete willis must have been oh yeah right
1: you have a guy who a bunch of 20 year olds in a in a in a hot band like a like a, a top band that's doing top band yeah
0: rick allen when he joined def leppard for the on through the uh for the um uh high and dry album he was 15 years old and they went supersonic like, so he, they he's... supported acdc in europe and then they did pyromania and he was like fucking 19 years old as a like a imagine that like imagine right
1: So, so here's a question that I, that I, as I looked at this, so when I look at the, when I look at, let's just call it the first four albums. If you listen to the first four albums, you get a very distinct sound from start all the way through to uh, um, hysteria or all the way through hysteria, right? Mm -hmm. They had one producer for on through the night that probably had a big piece, you know, a big part to do with that. And then Mutt Lang joins on High and Dry, and he does High and Dry, he does Pyromania, yeah. and he does Hysteria.
0: Mutt Lang joined after he did Back in Black.
1: He so does he Back had, in Black first. He had quite a run. And that's where when I, when I was listening to On Through the Night and then I was listening to High and Dry, there were some Brian Johnson-sounding vocals in there. There were those sort of cut um, power chords uh, where, where they hit it and then stop it and then hit it and then stop it, which you hear a lot on an ACDC type sound.
0: Yeah, but ACDC kind of fell into that same categorization before. they had two guitars and Angus was a showman and he was you know, but he was just he was playing the lead. So you either had the rhythm and the lead and that's kind of what what those two guitars do. Whereas these two guys, if you listen to their guitar parts, like they will take the same chord, split it up an octave, and then split that chord up into the high register notes and the low register notes, and they will play those intermittently, and it just fucking worked. Right. There's a reason why this band has been so. Though these songs have lasted for so
1: long. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that aside, I'm going to get back to my back to my original train here. Uh, <laughs> So you had you had Mutt Lang do High and Dry, Pyromania, and Hysteria. And the difference in sound between those three albums couldn't be more distinct. It really couldn't. Sure. It's it's so it's so processed it's on one end and so less processed. I'm not gonna say totally real, but Pyromania, so you had High and Dry came out in eighty uh, one, Pyromania came out in eighty three. I was looking for um, kind of a kind of a vein that I could that I could pull through these things and say, okay, this was the step change, right? This was the point. They they switched uh, producers. Well, they did, but they switched it after On Through the Night, and that that's not kind of part of this immediate conversation. Maybe they switched labels. No, nah, they were with Mercury through all of those. You had. The difference between high and dry and pyromania wasn't, to me, quite as stark as the difference between pyromania and hysteria. Right. Now, there's an obvious piece of that with uh, uh, Rick Allen, is that yeah. the drummer? Yes. All right, Rick Allen. Tragic story. Rick Allen gets gets all geezed up and
0: <laughs> not geezed up. It happened in the morning. Sure.
1: Fuck, fuck <laughs> sure. And, and, uh, man was not geese up. Anyhow, make I'm your sure points. I'm sure he was, he was, was coming from church. The man, while he's and down, it, rolling, <laughs> rolling over in his Corvette in the field. So yeah, he's he's in a field of sheep with his arm lying the next field over, and now they've got to rewrite for Rick Allen. But if you look at something interesting on the history, you know how lucky he was! Incredibly, I think it was a convertible Corvette, wasn't it? I think it was a convertible
0: Corvette. But there,
1: there was a a, a, a paramedic, a, a,
0: what is it, An emergency paramedic nurse who happened to be walking her dog, watching the accident.
1: Wow! And she was on the site and she stopped the bleeding. Otherwise, that fucker would yeah, be dead. He'd be finished. Yeah. So you've got you. I thought maybe 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 that guy and his injury was the was the driver behind this big change. Like we've got to rewrite the entire style in order to to match him. In looking at that, one thing I also noticed was. That fucking guy, the drummer, Rick Allen, has one writing credit in four fucking albums. One writing credit. That means you gave one piece of input on, or at least you gave an input on one song in four albums. That's an impressive streak of, I am nothing but Donkey Kong sitting behind this kid smacking away at the skins. I mean, you are, you tell me when to hit the snare and I'll hit the snare. That's what that says from a writing credit standpoint. You're not bringing anything to the table. The fucking producer has a writing credit on well, every yeah. fucking well, he's, song, he's every one of them. Producer. So let's uh let's let's talk a little bit about the superstar producer. I think I think this is kind of an interesting thing, right? Mutlang. <laughs> Mutlang, go right? ahead. Mutlang is born in Zambia, yeah. South Africa, yes. right? Uh he Ends up, I think the, 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 the storyline was something that he, and I'm not sure if this was his breakthrough or what, but he ends up writing, um, writing some sort of theme song for a soccer team in, in, I'm assuming South Africa. All right. Eventually breaks through and starts to get into the business. This is, and I'll run through it very quickly, and it's not entirely inclusive. This was kind of the, 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 the ones that caught me. These are the people that he has credit for producing and or uh, writing songs with. Go ahead. ACDC, Back in Black. Shania Twain, interesting story behind that one, too. Obviously, Leopard. His breakout was the Boomtown Rats. Um, Huey Lewis and the News, Celine Dion, Brian Adams, in which he co-wrote Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Oh, that's that's impressive. Uh, Michael Bolton, Britney Spears, he has a writing credit on Oops, I Did It Again. Maroon 5, Nickelback, he produced Foreigner 4. Billy Ocean. Yeah, Foreigner 4. Motherfucker, one of your favorites. Love Foreigner 4. Foreigner Records is awesome too. Uh, Lady Gaga, he has a writing credit on Born This Way. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, he won a Grammy for uh, Muse's Drones album. He produced that. In fact, he's won five Grammys, three of which were with Shania Twain. Right. Shania Twain, who he married in '93, he had an, a twer- uh, an affair with Twain's best friend in 2008.
0: That's hot.
1: Divorced her in 2010. And then I thought this was kind of sweet. Twain turned around and married the best friend's husband. Who Lang was screwing married her in 2011. So you know Shania got her well, her comeuppance. What 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 Lang did with Shania Twain was
0: the exact same thing he did with Leopard. He just leopardized a country pop star's career, and every fucking song that she wrote was a fucking hit. Yeah. So that's what he does. Yeah. Right. And, and by the way, um, yeah, he that's like the Christopher Walken part in Saturday Night Live. That's Mutt Lang. Totally. Like,
1: I need more cowbell.
0: That, that That's fucking cowbell. I need more and cowbell. We will get to the cowbell later because it's in there,
1: baby. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> so as I, as I continued to look through, like, what was that change? I don't know that I could really find it. And I think my, my conclusion is the driver was Lang and Lang was, well, well, yeah, he's the sixth leopard. They always yeah. said that. Lang was Lang was the one that said, "Okay, if we if we take this and run it through this effect, and we clean your vocals to the point at which, um, you know, they are uh, absolutely perfect, and we we do this, we do that. I mean, it's it's processed. The, right. That Pyromania album is so produced versus. <sighs> High and Dry, which he started with, it's much less produced. There's far less production in that album. Right. High and Dry is, or Pyromania is. But, but listen, is, what, I don't
0: know what your point is, is. If your point is to shit on
1: them. It's I not mean, just to I, shit on them. I'm merely like, bringing about and, conversation and relative think, well, to. But,
0: but that was the aesthetic of the years. Yeah. That they were, they, were they, they set the standard. In many ways, Pyromania was the standard for hard rock, Rock and roll music. They set the standard. Back in Black, maybe you can make an argument for that. But Pyromania really set the standard, right? And so that's the standard that everybody tried to match. Like We want that. We want that highly produced, very polished. Um, You could hear every fucking note on the guitar. And not many bands could do it. As a matter of fact, that is why when you go to see Def Leppard in concerts, I don't believe for a second there's any backing tracks or bullshit like that. They play every fucking note on stage. I don't
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I would imagine that's true.
0: And they're great singers. All right, so let's move on to um number <laughs> 4. Our
1: fourth song, <laughs> number 4.
0: Yeah, and so I'm I'm obviously uh, more interested to hear about your takes on these songs because it's it's quite obvious that you, your exposure to Def Leppard is really just three albums, and it's the three albums that are the most popular. So I'm interested to see exactly you know where where you where where you where you took us. Um, so I will start. Um, my number four song is off of the Euphoria album in 1998. It was released in 1998. Um, and the song is Promises. Now, Promises was a return for Mutt Lang to come back to the boys and produce um, this one track. I believe it's only the one track he did off of before. So I remember the first time I heard Promises. It was on the radio. I was working in a warehouse
1: uh, at the time, and you could barely hear the radio. I remember that warehouse. Right? right? In fact, I was driving my son past there the other day, and (laughs) Nick used to work in that warehouse. Yeah, man. That was fucked up. Sorry, go ahead. No, no worries.
0: Um, but it was a warehouse radio system that you could barely hear But I, like, I stopped dead in my tracks when I heard the opening bars, and I had no idea what the song was because they didn't announce it. And I'm like, holy shit, that's their new song because it sounds identical to what would have come off of you know uh, Hysteria or Adrenalize. And I couldn't have been happier because it had been. You know 11 years since hysteria dropped right so um in 1998 i was like oh this is great the boys are back right so they're always they're still sticking around this is their third album in the 90s which is a rare treat for us leopard fans because their albums yeah. um but anyhow uh, I just happened to really, really like this song. It was, uh, you know, it was my first year of marriage. And uh, my wife is also a really big Def Leppard fan. We were very excited to hear this song. And, uh, you know, firstly, you know, we knew that that was going to lead them to a supporting tour, as the, uh, as the boys from Sheffield always do. And uh, we were going to be able to see them for think, six or seventh time I've seen them.
1: Uh, How many times have you seen them total?
0: Uh, probably closing in on 15. So not a ton, but I... Tend to see them. That's every, pretty good number. Yeah, every time they come around, um, you know, we see them and, and uh they always play to packed houses.
1: All right, so my number four is off of hysteria. This song starts with a very Pixies style bass line which I find kinda kinda cool that you hear that sort of sound through a band like this, and Pixies were post Hysteria. So uh, Kim Deal, I guess you owe something to uh, Rick Savage. Gods of War, great tune. Great tune, right? Uh, great tune. And I'm not sure what it was about this tune that grabbed me. Um, I liked the the obviously the drop ins of the the political. Uh Reagan, you know, the, and Thatcher. uh Reagan and Thatcher, right? You've got you've got the gods of war in in the eighties. I I thought that that drop in was cool. There. He counted on America to be passive. wrong. Some research that I found that I'm going to reference as internet detritus because I don't know exactly. You know, it wasn't like this came out of out of uh, the mouth of uh, of Mutt Lang or Joe Elliott or anybody else, but. Um, Uh, the line we're fighting with the gods of war is actually played backwards on the track rocket in, uh, the other, uh, uh, another, another track on, on hysteria. This song was not a single in the U S. Um, it has a great breakdown, right? They, 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 they go through the song and at the end, before they get into the, uh, the, the, the Reagan and Thatcher uh lines, which th- the band just kinda just does their thing in the background while that's going on and there's sounds of bullets and explosions and, and whatnot. Um the breakdown leading into that was was kinda cool and then you and then you get into the into the statements and and you know, frankly the lyrics of that song were also kinda you know, they were kind of deep, right? You look at, at at So now this is the second time that
0: you've you've referenced the deepness of of Def Leppard's lyrics and how they've gone kind of off the path of like poppy rock and roll. But yet you began on the outset by shitting all over their lyrics and saying they're not Simon and Garfunkel. And I say to you, sir, go fuck yourself.
1: You've just, (laughs) you've just. The the vapid nature of the (laughs) remaining songs on those four albums I, I could fill a quarter right, teaspoon with... Like, Run Riot
0: with... isn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare right? to a tune, but, you know, it, listen, that's their business was was to do what? To get asses out
1: of seats. All right, what's your number three?
0: Uh, all right, so number three is, you know, um, this is uh, this is from the uh, the follow-up album to Hysteria, uh, which was a journalized in 1992, released in 1992. Um, and... It is actually left off. It was it was a song that they, they had produced um, for the Hysteria album, but they left it off because they said, "Well, it sounds too much like um, another song on the album on, on the actual Hysteria." Actually, it sounded too much like Hysteria. Uh, and this song is called "Stand Up, Keep Love into Motion." Another one of their wonderful lyrics. I can't defend their lyrics. Like I just know, you know, it just happened to work. You know, they work with the melody.
1: I'll, I'll tell you, the best lyric that I think uh, I've heard from from Def leopard was off of "High and Dry." <laughs> Get down on your knees. Let me know you're in it to please. Okay.
0: Well, listen. I think every all the bands were talking about that. Right? They're all that was. Again, we go back to the aesthetics of the age. Like you can't fuck off. Um <laughs> We're going to do a deep dive on Billy Squire's lyrics. Oh, can you know, we? Oh, yes. <laughs> coming up. The stroke up. <laughs> in a future <laughs> episode. Rock me tonight. All um, right. All right. So it's uh, Stand Up, Kick, Love, and Emotion. It did uh, reach, and it's number one song, by the way, Billboard number one. And, you know, so th- when, they, when they release shit, they don't, uh, they don't, rarely ever do they flop.
1: All right. My number three, I'm going to go to... Pyromania. This was obviously a big radio hit. Photograph. I thought Photograph was, uh, you know, was one of those songs that started to pull fans in. It wasn't necessarily the one that that caught me, but it was definitely one that, that I remember, you know, back in the day. There was... Again, and you are proving me wrong. This is the third song. I'm going to say, you know what? The the lyrics actually had something besides TNA and and cocaine. It's about stalking. It was it was about stalking. It was at least about stalking someone who was already dead by the time he was stalking her. It's about Marilyn Monroe. That said, I think it's a uh, you know. It's obviously a big radio hit. it was uh, if you look at some of the stats on on where this song ended up, it's, uh, VH1 called it the 13th greatest hard rock song, uh, the 17th greatest song of the past 25 years. It was the lead single from Pyromania. you know it's it's been performed live at every concert since it was released. Uh, and interesting awesome. side note, Thomas Dolby was the keyboard uh, player Devil's on this. Did I pinch you on a song. on a random so this, fact? This was my
0: number one, and mm-hmm. since we're down to the so this was not my number one. And uh, it, it, are you done with your comments? Are you, no, you please. I, I didn't not... realize
1: this is your number one. No, I will okay. let you.
0: I will let you take it from here. All right. right. So here is the whole genesis of my uh, like my allegiance to this band. So I live across the street in, in 1983. I live across the street from. Um, uh, a kid who is my brother's age. My brother's two years older than me. Um, and, and so this kid, Scott, has an older brother than him. So he's he's the
1: oldest on the block. Right? Whose and parents, by the way, live four houses away from me right now. I'm
0: talking about that. Oh. <laughs> Somebody way. else. No. they. As a matter of fact, these guys are a polar opposite family. Anyhow, so... The kid, Scott, was my brother's friend, only just because we happened to live across the street from one another. But his older brother was, I want to say, maybe four or five years older than, than, they, than they were, which would put him at about like five or seven years older than me. And at that time, when I'm what was it, 11 years old? It was 11 years old. He was like 17, 18 years old. So like, like he's like an adult, like a fully grown man as far as I'm concerned. And he's rarely ever around, right? Because he's got his own car, he's doing his own thing in 1983. Um, but we would always hang out in, uh, in Scott's house because his dad was a carpenter and his dad built this fucking crazy house and the upstairs were like these bedrooms with like secret passageways and shit like that. It was really cool to be in there. And Dave's, Dave's room was this gigantic room because he was a drummer. He was a drummer in a band that was like kind of cool enough because he was always like you know putting his gear in his in his in his truck and i would i would always like drive walk up the walkway i'm like hey dave how are you and he's like hey man how are you and he see he was always really cool to me but like never like you know he's just really cool to me cuz he knew i was the younger brother and i was always getting picked on so when he came home one afternoon we were upstairs playing in his room cuz he had the bigger room and right. immediately he kicked out scott and my brother mike he's like get up and then I started to follow those two out of the room. And, um, you know, he's like, "Now you can, you can stay. So I'd stayed, like, in a threshold where, where Scott and Mike were in Scott's room. And I was kind of, like, in the hallway. And he's like, I, I just picked this up. And he held out um, the uh, Pyromania album. He's like, you ever hear these guys? I'm like, no, I never heard of them. I don't, I don't know shit about music, Dave. I'm fucking 11 years old. And he drops the needle on, um, on, on the first side. And he's like, that's not the song I'm looking for. So he dropped the needle on Photograph. And the moment that he dropped the needle on photograph, he runs behind his drum kit, and as soon as the drummer starts, you know, as soon as Alan starts those drum rhythms, yes, he got like one, two, and then he played along with the entire fucking song and just crashed everything out. Um, and I was just standing there, amazed, the and I'm like, "It's got a great drum line. That's fucking. Awesome. And it's
1: a it's a power
0: drum line for and, sure. And he fucking hit the cowbell too. He had the cowbell, and I remember, like, I can see him like sitting behind his black drum set, gigantic black drum set, and behind him is the flag of his band. Right now, he, he had this band did, called.
1: Did 11 year old you fire up his doobie? <laughs>
0: no, no. <laughs> no, um, but he had this. Ba- his he was in a band called Night Rider. And I remember not not the movie like the show because this is before the show. The night, so. but anyhow, it was Night Rider, and the, the the graphic on the on the flag was this gigantic like horse and this knight with a with a guitar hanging swinging over his head. It was like the coolest thing ever. And from that moment forward, I was like, man, this is the fucking coolest band ever, I like because at that point in time, my brother had just gotten into Led Zeppelin. With, with Tom, Stannis, and all those fucking guys, and all they ever listened to was, was, was Led Zeppelin. I couldn't fucking stand it anymore. Now I know Led like like I've grown for an appreciative right. of Led Zeppelin, but I couldn't fucking stand it. All I wanted to do was listen to something different than what they were listening to, and Def Leppard was it, that was it. And I got, the, the, that was the first uh, cassette tape I ever bought. Um, two years later when we got our first CD, um, it was the first CD I ever bought. Was uh, Pyromania, um, and that was it. And so from that point forward, I was like, I was, I was introduced to this band, and I was, I remember like you know climbing my apple tree, listening to Billy's Got a Gun. I'm like, what the fuck is this song about? And then I, you know, I went backwards. I'm like, High and Dry I was, you know, I was, I was hooked. I was hooked. All, all this you know, from from that moment forward, this is a great. So that that was my number one.
1: Right, that's I, your that number program. one. I, I plucked your number one. I'm that's good. all right. That's, and yeah,
0: I had the keyboards, keyboards by Thomas Dolby.
1: Thomas Dolby, and alienate my
0: Buick. And I had to fucking I had to go back and listen to it. I'm like, where are the fucking keyboards in that song? <laughs> it's one chord. <laughs> Sorry, two chords. But my, yeah, so that was also the power of Def Leopard is, is because like the way they grew in popularity was because of their videos, right? MTV um, was, you know, it was a, it was our radio, a national radio station for the youth, and 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 they were just, they happened to have all these videos ready to go. They invested heavily on that stuff, and that that story is well known. Uh, so my number
1: two, your number, so your number three. Is my number three? Your number
0: three. Oh. Well, I've got one
1: left. No. All right. Well then, I'll two. go with my number two. You go ahead. Um hysteria off of hysteria right and this was probably more of a uh heartbreak Mm -hmm. breakup kind of thing um i gotta know if you're alone tonight you know that that cut deep when i was when i was in one city and she was in another and and uh we were both in college and and as far as i was concerned at every minute of every day she was in bed with somebody and that (laughs) somebody that somebody wasn't me and, yeah, and that was absolutely true. And, so, yeah, and that could, <laughs> as far as that you know, that could very well have happened. And God bless her. There's something very '80s, '80s hair bandy uh, ballad about Ballad-y, it, yeah. and it and it works. If you if you listen to it, he actually or they've actually copied the guitar riff from "Goodbye Blue Sky" by Pink Floyd.
0: Look, mommy, there's an aeroplane up in the sky. I don't know. Maybe I,
1: that missed me. Well, we'll, go we'll back and listen. We'll take a trip here.
0: Look, mommy, there's an no aeroplane up in the sky.
1: The audience has heard it. You might not have yet, but um, but we'll 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 uh, we'll get your opinion on that at some other point in time. <laughs> so that's uh, that that was my number two. I've already taken your number one. So give me what you have left.
0: Yeah, that that was my number two too. Hysteria was definitely my number two. Um,
1: For the same reason, yeah, was hysteria. it a breakup song? Yeah,
0: pretty much. I mean, it, it spelled out just about everything that you would you know that a teenage boy knew or thought about. You know love and you know you know heartache and and uh yeah all that stuff you kind of hit it on the the, the head there um, right. the, the, the lyrics kind of just speak to uh everything you know it's it again and looking through my list like most of my songs are you know the, the more ballady than than everything else um that they've done that they're known for and they're like the kings of ballads also i'll just throw that out there um every fucking hair metal band had a fucking ballad because Def Leppard did them so well and because they charted so well as well um and of course it brought in the female crowd which is what all those guys were looking for you know um
1: so that also brings me to another thought um when you look at Hysteria so the the, the first single in Hysteria or the first single off Hysteria that was dropped in the U.S. was uh Woman, woman. whereas everywhere else it was Animal yeah when Woman Dropped, it did chart but it didn't Wasn't great. it didn't it didn't do as well as as other songs and they had to drop another, I don't know, 5 or 6 or 4. They dropped 7. Obviously. 7 total, right. Until they got to pour some sugar on me mm-hmm. and that's the one that launched them although it never did make it to number 1. There was only one that made it to 1 right. and that was uh Love Bites. Love Bites. Yeah. Um
0: and, and so the story behind Pour Some Sugar on Me was the reason why. So th- this, this album didn't gain any traction for months, and they were shitting their pants because they were millions of dollars over budget with this fucking album because it took them forever to do. Um, yes, your drummer did lose his arm. Um, but you know, uh, the uh, production overrun and over those costs. And, the, and, there and I huge... think there was
1: like three years on one song like, or at least one song that took in total three years. I don't know if that's all they did for well, three animal, years. animal
0: but... animal was in the box, like right after the pyromania tour ended. And then they re- went back to animal and they're like, well, let's, let's tinker around with this. So that may be what that is. I don't, I don't know. But the part some sugar on me was it came out of uh, like the story that I heard was the popularity came out of the Florida strip clubs that somebody dropped a needle on it. And, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and they, they started to, you know, that I don't know how would the validity of, I like it though. I, I do like, too, it's like a great it. story. It's great, and then of course, you know, because look at the video, the video is is nothing more than just concert footage. They didn't put a whole lot of, not to say they didn't put any thought into the video, but the video ran, I think, I remember that summer, it was like 97 days in a row, it was like number one, oh, it was the like number surprised. one video. Um, and it was just concert footage. Now, it was great concert footage, and it was I I just watched in the round in your face
1: on YouTube. If you look at the fact that, that pour some sugar on me is the, is the track that, that really made them bounce in the U S by the time that came out, all of, all of pyromania had been out and, and, you know, a lot of people knew pyromania, but they really gained a lot of fuel on that pour some sugar on me. And while I like the idea of this being the result of strippers dancing to it and guys, you know, having that memory of a naked, uh, a naked woman that's that you know has a song tied to it, and uh, there's a song off of Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers that I have a, <laughs> I have a friend who has an association uh, that that works that way. Um, the I, I, I have a hard time believing that 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 fact alone that strippers dancing to the song drove it to the level that it did so they sold 20 or 22 million albums or something like that total yep. for hysteria the majority of which and not a small majority was in the u.s now you and i like were you and i were what 16? 15, 16 15 15 16 when this yep. thing came out yep. and and uh I know for me, it was in my Sony Walkman cassette player ad nauseum uh, for the better part of at least 12 months, if not longer. Oh, shit. My brother, who is a fucking Led Zeppelin fan and an Eric Aaron Cla- Aaron Clapton apologist
0: to the day he dies, he had it in his fucking... Like, he listened to it constantly. My buddy, uh, our buddy came back from college, like, uh, that's, that, that November. He came back from college, and he, he had it in his Walkman. I'm like, you should listen to this, too? Like it was
1: everywhere. It right. was everywhere. It was everywhere. So, why did why did that song pop? And if you look at where that song charted was, around the world, it didn't do anywhere near anywhere else. I, anywhere I, else I, that it did in the United States. Yeah. What I what I wonder is why is it that that launched in the U.S. That song launched in the U.S., which subsequently laun- launched the band, which subsequently you know brought them oh, the, the success that they did. Yeah. Why was it? Anyhow, that's yeah. uh, that's uh, uh, that's my that's my my deep thoughts on hysteria. I have to tell you though that I'm I'm just about done with that song. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? It's terrible. All right. So well, I... we're getting to like so you fucked me on, and and with uh, the honorable mention, I will give you my honorable mention before we please to, to the uh, to the songs that we can't stand or the song that you can't stand. I'm sure you have a full list. Um, but my honorable mention uh, was on my list um, all the way up to the very very end, and then I had to kick it off. Um, it is stage
1: fright.
0: Said, stage fright. So it's such a great tune. Um, again, not talking about women or you know, you know the, the other things you complained about. Um, it's it's like it, it's actually the thing that afflicted Steve Clark so much that that's the reason why he drank so much. He had tremendous stage fright. Anyhow. So they, they, they wrote a song about stage fright, but it's such a great song. And I, the reason why it's so emblazoned in my mind as like one of the great songs is because um, this was the first concert I ever went to. Uh, the Hysteria Show, uh, October fourteenth, 1988, I want to say. It was their second round coming back around to Chicago. Um, and uh, I had tickets for the first time they came around. My parents wouldn't let me go because I was too young. And then, so I got tickets, but this time around it was next year.
1: I was camping with a man that was ten years older than I was. You
0: camping, or were yes. you in a major domo outfit no, on New York High School's football field?
1: Oh, uh, that could have happened too. That there was, was there was a couple of opportunities that I could have seen the band on that tour. One of which I was camping with a man ten yeah. years older than I was.
0: I'm sure you had a better time in
1: Southern Wisconsin. We could literally see Alpine Valley from where we were camping from.
0: Oh, romantic!
1: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, the other time I was I was holding a uh, a frumpet, as they called the marching French horn, uh, sitting in a cold and wet football game at York High School yeah. that I didn't care about.
0: That was the uh, that was the night that we were there. And um, incidentally, my, as we would find out later I was going through my my wife's accouchements uh, from her youth and she had a ticket stub from that very same night. We were at the same concert, same night um years before we have even met um but that that is uh that's another th- but like the so when you see they played in the interim round right which was was unique for um arena bands at the time and they had this gigantic um curtain all the way around so you couldn't actually see the uh see the stage and then they start these opening bars of stage fright right and joe elliott screams the welcome to my show um and then they do a, like the first uh, bit of the verse, and then when the drums kick in, that's when they drop the curtain and the lights shoot out and the laser beams hit your eyes, and that was just like the, the closest thing that you could that I possibly came to euphoria at the time, because this was, I'd waited my entire life to see these guys, and then they were right in front of me, and they put on a hell of a show. It was one of still the best, probably one of the best shows um, I've seen. Good topic for another list.
1: Outstanding. I agree that would be a good topic all right you've already done your top yeah. five and your honorable mention yeah. I've got my number one left yes. um, my oh, number, number one, one is still my okay. number one is still out there and so growing up I did not have cable TV uh, my Scottish parents mm. didn't find that to be a, a necessary investment so I was uh, I was able to see cable whenever I went to someone else's house who uh, who had it. And uh, that said, I probably got exposed to the video later than everybody else did, but I still want to say I was in a in a grade school range. Rock of Ages was the was the song that originally kind of pulled me into the the yeah. idea of this style of music, the uh, um, this sort of edgy kind of approach i had two older sisters too so i it wasn't like i had a, an older sibling that was rocking out to led zeppelin or acdc or anybody else they were they were doing their own thing and they're they're six Good and eight old years grade. older so they're yeah they're they're <laughs> you know they're we weren't like a year or two apart um so i was kind of uh, they and they were fantastic sisters i'm not complaining and i'm just saying, saying we left we were, alone uh, on the cultural i was, I was. <laughs> i was i didn't know i didn't know shit about sports until i was like 20 so uh rock of ages obviously was the first kind of heavy mtv exposure um the 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 bit of internet detritus that i found on this uh the, the the gibberish opening the uh whatever apparently that was Mutlang's driver of of perfection and he would make bands do do 10 15 20 30 takes and he got tired of saying one two three four after a while so he would just make up gibberish and on this on one of the takes he decided to make up this gibberish and the band you know was caught by the mics. The band liked it, so they decided to keep it. And there's something really unique about that. And i th- that's a piece of, of like, of rock, rock lore. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna make a weird backtrack here, but there's a police song, uh, Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Roxanne starts with a weird set of piano chords and laughing. And the storyline behind that is that Sting was leaning back against a piano that he thought the lid was closed. Turns out it wasn't. He sat on the keys as the recording had started and laughed. They caught it. They kept it. They put it in the song. This is something kind of similar to that, and I I think that's a a neat piece of lore around it.
0: I think you liked his big four-foot sword that he was uh, wielding, and the, the sword in the was incredible. And, and his,
1: his white jumpsuit. I remember the I remember the British underwear that the then two-armed drummer was was wearing. You know, I do like to see what the boys have on below. Um, <laughs> during the solo, uh, vocal lines are played in reverse. So if you play them normally, and again, this falls under that internet detritus sort of category. But if they're played normally, they say, fuck the Russians, and Brezhnev's got herpes. I don't
0: believe that for a second. It's uh, I, I listened to that it
1: after... I after did that whole
0: two- reel-to-reel <laughs> bullshit with the fucking Stairway <laughs> to Heaven. And here's the My Sweet Satan. I remember fucking Thomas had me in his fucking room that was 100 degrees because his parents wouldn't pay for fucking air conditioning. And he's like, he's like, no, we're going to do the back masking. And he had this huge reel-to-reel. I've never seen a reel-to-reel before. He must have got it out of his own man's basement. I remember this fucker telling me, he's like, all right, push play. Let's push record. And then we, we were there for three fucking hours, and then he switched the reels, and then he tried to convince me for the next six hours, listening back and forth and back and forth, that, the, that you could actually hear it. Here's the My Sweet Satan. It's bullshit.
1: I don't believe... So, I I don't know if it's true yeah, sure or not. That's know. why it falls under the category am. of internet detritus. I like the story. I like the fact that, uh, you know, these guys are... They're standing up for what they believe <laughs> you know, in. Again,
0: going back to your original theme that, that these guys aren't Simon and Garfunkel, your entire thing has been about how great their lyrics are.
1: Well, saying fuck the Russians in reverse, uh, in reverse uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's not exactly... Listen uh, to <laughs> Uh, So, you know, this video and a number of their others was produced by a guy named David Mallet, and he had produced videos for Maiden, Bowie, Queen, In Excess, shit, Peter Gabriel, the the Rolling Stones. And I think that because, like, he wasn't a, like, I don't want to shit on the guy's
0: career, I don't know much about him, but... Like, I think he just got really, really lucky, super lucky to just tap into that video vein when nobody else- Right place,
1: there. right time. Nobody I totally agree. Look at the fucking giant, like you mentioned, he's carrying a, a two handed sword in a video yeah. and he's not even doing yeah. it well, yeah, you know. Exactly.
0: Um, okay. The prop guy is like, uh, yeah, you'll be able to handle this, Joe. Joe is probably the same height and the same weight as a fucking sword. He could barely, <laughs> he could barely stand little... up as he's like going down the ramp with it. Right. And then you can see, when well, he puts it down before it turns into the guitar. Right. Like he's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. I'm
1: done with it. And I mean, you can see that it's made out, it's like corrugated. Yeah, it's made yeah. out of cardboard it's and he still foil. can't lift it. It's tinfoil. So, you know, you think about, you think about the investment that was made in this band, right? They got an up and coming producer. They got a guy that had by that point already um, done successful videos. And, and Def Leppard was an early video success story for yes, 3M or 3M. I'm working with a customer today. Uh, They were an early success story for MTV. Um, Mm. You can look at it from the standpoint of if you put enough money and you hire the right people, you know you can get the job done, regardless of what you have. And and all kidding aside, relative to the to the skill or the quality of the music, they're they're obviously good musicians. They they can they can write music they can put songs out their producer can also write music side note um, but that said the 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 reality is that that there's a lot of bands out there a lot of bands out there that can write really good music that can perform well live and they'll never see this kind of commercial success I mean right. you cannot you cannot there, I I and I don't obviously know. About every band ever but if you think about all the bands that came up there's probably some combination of investment luck skill talent etc 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 and i think these guys you can see it when you look at like when you look at what this guy mallet did with videos he was on that he was the tip of the sword on videos and because because people reacted to videos because they had nothing else to compare it to right. they went Holy shit, this is awesome. And David Mallet did it, so wow. I, you know, Maybe this is, the way, this is the guy that we need right. to have. Get him on the phone. And if you had him, well, he was doing his same copy of what he had done for the other stuff, so they just duplicated it, and, and it worked. Uh, I mean, Mallett, look
0: what he did. So going off on a tangent here, look what this fucker did. He did David Bowie's China Girl, uh, and he also did Let's Dance. Now, you have Let's Dance. You have David Bowie and you have Steve Ray Vaughn in the same shot. Two of the most charismatic stagemen ever. And what does he have them do? Sit against a fucking wall and sing a song and play his guitar with his hat down so you right. can't even see it's fucking SRV. I mean, the guy <laughs> does not really have, like, he he's just, he got,
1: got lucky. He, 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 he didn't do the video with Bowie and Mick Jagger where if you turn Ooh. the sound off, it oh, was that, yeah. tell me that was him. Because that right. would have been beautiful. Right. All South right. America, <laughs> it's just awful. I think we have pretty much executed this topic to the. Uh, well, what are the songs that you hate? The one song that you hate. Oh, the one song yeah, that I hate. That. One song yeah, that yeah, I hate. So, uh, one song that I hate. I. Can you? Can you I have play? it right here. Can you pick. You got a list. There? No, I just have one, and it's "Let's Get Rocked," mm. and it's why the career for Def Leppard with me ended at that album, and I was done. You just couldn't take the joke? I couldn't. You just couldn't take the joke? I couldn't. Now, these guys. A little too serious. These, so these guys were headed in this direction, right? You could see it in the progression of albums. You could see the direction they were headed in. This wasn't like Jefferson Airplane writing White Rabbit and then suddenly going to We Built This City, which is the single most embarrassing self-destruction of an amazing band ever. Def that's Leopard was Def Leopard was cruising in this direction in a in a pretty strong at a pretty 20 knots, 20 30 knots, you know, good good <laughs> backwind. And when they hit it, I went I'm done, I'm out. And exactly. also by check, that please. Yeah, check please. And check at that same it, let's get rocked again. At that same time, that's when Grunge was really you were you were Full getting wrong. never mind. You were getting ten by Pearl Jam. Were you were getting yeah. super unknown and and Bad Motorfinger yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dirt and I mean there there was just so much out there that they was so much better. Adrenalize was a palate cleanser. I urge you to
0: to seek that album out and listen to it again um, if you ever listen to it because
1: it's got some really really awesome songs at the,
0: mo- the I'm your
1: average okay. ever. Ordinary everyday wait, wait dude. Till
0: hold wait till I get a hold of fucking. Wait till I get a hold of
1: fucking. All right, there will be retribution. Retribution here. All right, what's your uh, what's right, your the, most? The song hated? that
0: I cannot stand. Well, I just cannot stand to hear it or listen to it anymore. Um, and I never really liked it. Uh, it was just a little too much. Too a little. I, I'm a fan of their ballads, but "Love Bites" just I oh, cannot yeah. take that song. And when they, like when they when when I heard those. First opening chords, I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom. Whenever I hear it, like, I just, it's, it's a, I, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I like saying I'm that with I don't you. like it.
1: I'm with you. I, I don't really care for it either. It's
0: really like too, like.
1: It's super late eighties ballady. I, this is, this it's, is, it's like you know, this is liquid panty yeah, remover. And yeah, that's the only reason I'm playing yeah, it. Like
0: and that. I'm sure it worked for him. I, and I know it worked for him because I think it charted at number one. It might've been. One Of the ones that it went I think at number you one, might be right. Um, I might be the only one
1: off that album that went number one, but anyhow, um, Love yeah. Bites, the only number one U.S. hit. You are correct. Yeah,
0: I can't, can't, can't do it, it. Can't. can't do it. Never liked it, didn't like the video. Video is never good, yeah. That was it. All right, uh, so there we go. We the, the, the you know, Kierke's dissection of uh Def Leppard, <laughs> I,
1: I believe it was co-dissection. We have, uh, yeah. I expected you to, to
0: hate hey, it. The one thing that always really—I think that really just bugged me was that, and I think that I'm trapped, like I'm almost like a mosquito trapped in ember here, because I remember like our high school years together, like fondly and and with with great reverence, and like this was the soundtrack. Period. Full stop. Everybody knows that there is really no. There, there are other. Like you can have your. You know your 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 side pieces with you know whatever the fuck you were listening to Bon Jovi or whatever. I mean, but there really wasn't much that's to, to, to 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 take in. You know, in the '80s, it was all pretty much the same. But like Hysteria definitely was like the soundtrack for our high school career, and we all had such great times with it. You know, whether we were getting fucked up or what whatever we were doing, it that was always the constant. And for you to just abandon them uh, for one song, and I knew it was that one song. I knew I could. I knew that nuts. song
1: was going to. Sticks and like and a and like a thorn in my paw. And for
0: you to just abandon all that is, I felt very left alone and cold by it all because I think you persuaded other people to to, to shit on them as well. Even <laughs> people like you know friends of ours like like they all fucking listen to hysteria. They all loved Outfield. They all went to the fucking show, but yet you know I am, the I one am the song. Piper. Yeah, you're the one you're the one fucker that just kind of abandoned everybody. You
1: know, fuck you. You're missing out on good music. <laughs> we will come back to you again in a, in oh, the future yeah, yeah. with. Uh, so the, uh, the, the future podcast plan is that we're going to do Rush. Nick got to pick a band. Ugh. I got to pick a band. So the next one's Rush. And uh, <laughs> I have a feeling that, that you're going to hear something that may run in a, a slightly different current.
0: Listen, it's going to take me a while because every time I put on a Rush song, I have to run to the bathroom and throw
1: up. So. Yeah. <laughs> the shit's going to flow in a different direction. Uh, what we'd like to do if this, uh, you know, if... People like to hear it. We're thinking about bringing in some guests down the road. People who uh, will bring their favorite band in. So, something to think about. Something to consider. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and we hope you listen to us again.